Welcome to NYCTalking.com podcast. And today I am joined by Felicia Madison. And what do you do? I do a lot. I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm a talent booker for a comedy club. And I also run a comedy school and a comedy record label. Huh? And I'm a mom. The city of New York, Boricua from the Bronx. <laughs> I had something I wanted to ask you right off the bat, right? Because I've been kind of struggling with myself lately. In the stuff I read about you, the email, it was talking about like mental health, right? I'm sorry to jump right into the heavy stuff. It's just like it was the first thing that popped into my head, you know, and and I feel like the world can benefit from this. Do you feel that there is a correlation between comics and mental health? Not a good correlation, a bad correlation. Yeah, there is, you know, there's definitely, it seems to be um, the belief that, you know, I I think it's not so much comedians, but I think artists in general Mm. struggle. Um, And I think comedians um, are very, their minds work differently. Like I know I could speak for myself. I'm very introspective and thinking a lot and thinking things through and, just thinking about things in a different way. Um, And it's also a very isolating career. You're sort of doing it alone. You know, you don't really have a lot of people around you. You don't have a team of people. Um, So it can lead to a very isolating life. And I think a lot of comedians um, that are successful delve into their pain a little bit and try to make sense of it with humor. And also, you know, they deal with whatever pain they're dealing with being on stage and getting those laughs are a drug that help them feel better. Um, so all of that and so that if you're in a rut comedy wise, or if you're not feeling it, I could see how it could put you into a deeper depression. Like I usually, if I find that I'm getting depressed, I will go on stage and it will automatically Nine times out of ten, pick up my mood. <laughs> it depends on the audience. Right. They they can be rough. <laughs> they can be rough. Just the other day, I went on stage and it was like, I was like, okay, that was not a pick me up. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's a very vulnerable thing, right? Being a comic, um, simply. I I mean, I've done like open mics and poetry and 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 hip hop music and stuff. And um, going up, especially if you're doing heavy stuff, which my stuff tends to be really deep and heavy. It's a very vulnerable thing, you know. Um, it is therapeutic, though. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the key thing to, everyone always says you're so brave, you know, and I don't, you know, there's a lot more difficult things in the world to be doing. But the brave thing that I think comedians do do is they open up, you know, their heart and their life to the world. Uh, which a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that. I I watch a lot of comedy, like a lot of comedy. Um, I've recently started having like panic attacks. Um, So I've been trying to stay away from stuff that can, you know, like give me bad dreams or, or mess me up, you know, life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this whole thing, you know, just like, Put myself in the closet and not come out. <laughs> I actually have felt like that sometimes. You know, <laughs> you know, what saves me is I teach Zumba, right? Oh. So, um, that's my current form of expression, right? I teach Zumba classes and I've had to show up for them. 
um, right. which basically kept me from uh, spiraling out of too out of control, you know, where I otherwise right now I'd probably be a hundred pounds heavier and in a much worse state. At least it keeps me going to the gym. It keeps me active. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of people in there who are supportive and they noticed they could like, Hey, you okay, dude. Um, mm -hmm. you, I could see that something you seem, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I was having a anxiety attack during song number four. <laughs> <laughs> what was song number four? <laughs> you know, it was, um, you know, the song calm down. Yeah. With, uh, Serena, Selena Gomez. And uh, yeah. so that song, and it's not a bad song. It's just that it emotionally moved me. It's her voice with his voice. And it was just the sweetness of it. And it it just moved me. And it kind of made me want to cry on that time when I was yeah. teaching. You know what I mean? So that was... Yeah, music is very uh, moving in that way. I have a couple of songs that I like to play on the way to the club that like put me in an upbeat, good mood. Mm. It's amazing how powerful that is. What What songs? It, you know, it's the um, if I can uh, ask. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, of course now I'm gonna. It's that Lalo. It's a, it's originally a Bruce Springsteen song, and it was redone by uh, Lalo. It's called. Um, oh God, I knew you were gonna ask me that. Um, <laughs> you walked right into that one. <laughs> I know. I'll find it. I'll find it though. It's um, it's right here on my oh, Dancing in the Dark. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, they yeah. and they do it sort of like in a upbeat kind of way. But that's that always that I've been obsessed with that one lately. And uh -oh. and are you ready? By uh, Lizzo is the other one. Okay, I have to. I want to hear the 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 version of uh, Lalo. You said. Lalo? Yeah, I think it's called Lalo. I'm not very good with names. Lolo, Lolo, Lolo. I'll look it up. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I'd like to see their take on it. Like I love that song. I remember it. I'm an '80s kid, so you know, I was a kid in the '80s, so all that stuff was, you know, um, my stuff. Are you comfortable talking about what you've dealt with with mental health and stuff? Or yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I talk about it a lot. Um, you know, I I um, was suffering from. I always I joke that I suffered from postpartum depression since birth. Ah. my birth <laughs> i can see that that makes sense i think mean, it's clever yeah it makes sense yeah so it was never you know it was more i was never like you know clinically diagnosed but always just never really um a hundred percent satisfied and would have moments of like you know being really seriously depressed for for someone that seemingly which was really annoying seemingly shouldn't have been depressed like in my comedy i joke about like you have everything felicia you shouldn't be depressed and i'm like you know i said i was depressed not inferior to you <laughs> so it's like something that i've struggled with with people like you're you're crazy i'm like well that doesn't make me feel better it uh, doesn't help it's not yeah, it doesn't help like why are you depressed you know i guess if if you have reasons to be depressed it's it's understandable a little bit more, but I didn't really seem to have any reasons well, that you, for it. That you're aware of on the, yeah. on, on the top level, right? There's this stuff runs deep. I've been going yeah. to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can, can we do a therapy session here? Because I still haven't figured out that deep thing. But needless to say, I found something that uh, a passion comedy that gave me a sense of purpose and made me start feeling good about myself and um it's 
and that in time in conjunction with some meds have been really helpful so you officially did get it diagnosed you mentioned meds. yeah yeah okay um might i ask which meds you're taking i'm on a wellbutrin okay i think wellbutrin might be related i, I think it's a ssri um i'm not sure i'll have to i'm not sure either because I, I i was given lexapro um and I think they're in the same uh, family, but I'm not in, I, I believe so. Cause my sister told me she tried them both also mm. for similar reasons, you know, runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but in my case it was, well, I feel like depression was always there. Right. Um, actually, if it wasn't for writing, I would have probably uh, removed myself when I was a kid. Um, mm. Writing helped me pouring it out like in poetry and then I would bring it to my my childhood therapist and we would talk about it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was really helpful for me. Just, you know, as it's happening, I would write about it. And then every week I'd go to him and I'd bring this notebook of new stuff that I wrote. We'd talk about it and I'd, you know, he'd realize that you had a good week. You feel better. I could tell by your writing, you know, um, as an adult, it's been working out, fighting, mixed martial arts, um, you know, um, having an outlet now, Zumba, of course, Zumba gives me my creative expression. I can create the dances and stuff. Yeah, um, we deal. I deal with uh, a lot of mental health with comedians and uh, been working with um, this organization called um, it used to be called um, we're all we're all a little crazy. It's called now it's called Same Here Global, and it deals with a lot of kind of like what you're saying is like it takes away the stigma of, you know, mental health. Like it always seems like I'm normal, you're not. And so they sort of make it like we're all a little crazy. So there's no healthy and not healthy. And they talk about how it's important to have these outlets and, you know, like you do yoga, do a lot of things, not just, not, not that medication's bad, but not just to medicate yourself. Um, and we're trying to get together with um, some comedians and doing, they call them circles, where we all get together and talk about all our issues. So you feel like you're not in this alone. Talking helps so much. Even when they first started happening to me, I reached out to a few friends and just, you know, I didn't realize how many people take Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they don't, they don't. Nobody talks about it. I think for that yeah. reason, there's stigma. I've been very vocal about it and, and, and uh, you know, talking about the anxiety and everything because it's, it really, uh, I mean, it limits you. And uh, I, I, I don't, I, why should I be embarrassed about it? So I talk about it and, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, if you think this makes me soft, well, Come fight me and let's see. <laughs> let's see how that goes for you, you know? <laughs> and it's probably not going to go very well. And then you'll be like, damn, this guy who's soft whooped my butt. You know? <laughs> you know? I'm not fighting you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I might do a Zumba challenge, but I'm not going to uh, fight you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking through your timeline and I saw that you guys covered mental health. And I, you know, I saw that, you know, unfortunately it looks like someone was lost. Um, you know, so that sucks, you know, um, but that's the thing we got to be able to talk about, especially men. I, I think we're, you know, I, I mean, everybody, you know, of course, but men in particular, 
they they think that it makes them less of a man, you know. And um, that's kind of like why I've been vocal about it. That's why I thought we'd start on that heavier topic. Hey, listen, it's okay, you know. Yeah. I feel like men are just less in touch with their emotions or they bottle it up more. Yeah. I, I think that's what's happened with me. You know, yeah. like, uh, I, I mean, I spoke with my therapist yesterday and I was telling her some of the stuff, you know, like my pops was on heroin when I was growing up. You know, um, I was used as a shoot, shield in a shootout, you know, um, you know, wow. my mom has some rough patches with depression. So all these, and she just sat there and she had this look on her face and she was like, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> you know, she, she's like, that's a lot. So how did you feel about it? And mm -hmm. I said, it's just normal. It's just the Bronx. This is how we grew up, you know? Yeah. And she's like, it's not normal. Yeah. And the fact that you're so nonchalant about it, that somebody used you, as a block when they were shooting at someone. So that person would shoot you. And the fact that you're just another day in the Bronx, you know, that's like, that says to me, you must have a lot of stuff in there and it's finally boiling over. And now you're panicking for no reason. Maybe you're panicking from that memory of being in a shootout that you didn't react then, you that know. That could be, that could be. <laughs> I think I'd be panicking for decades if I were being used as a shield in a shootout. Yeah, that was a, a odd. I thing. panic when I can't find something to wear in my closet. <laughs> that is an odd thing, you know. Um, but uh, let us move on from this deep, dark topic and <laughs> start deep. We'll move up. <laughs> yeah, we'll we hit them. You know, get like them dive down right in. <laughs> So um so how how does it feel to be a comedian? Like how did you get into it? And how does it feel to just because I've always watched, right? But comedians at that point have it there already. The materials created, everything's like tell me about that whole process. Like how does it go? Well, gosh, that's like a long, big question. But so I started, uh, I went to a class with a girlfriend. I had a friend that was doing stand up and I uh, always was saying to him, I wanted to try it only because I was always like in social situations. Sort of what I did was I would listen and then I would tell a joke. So I always felt like I was making people laugh. So I decided to take a class and the girlfriend and I went and we took a, it was a six week class, which ended in a graduation show, which is how most comedians get started. Mm. And I loved it from day one, from the first class, when I got up there and everyone had to do five minutes, like I wasn't even prepared. I just basically told like five minutes of jokes I'd told over the last some odd years. And they were great and people laughed right away. And then I loved the um, show and it's, it really is a drug. You really, you really get hooked on that like laughter. Um, and I just loved it. I started doing it as often as I could. I took more classes and then it got difficult because the way it works in the business in the beginning to get stage time, you have to literally bring your audience. If you could bring five people to the club, you could get five minutes of time. 
And it got more and more difficult for me as a mom with all my friends being moms to bring them downtown late at night when they want to be home with their kids. And they were all free during the day. So I started lunchtime comedy shows where I brought comedy to my neighborhood in a restaurant during the day when all my friends were free because the kids were in school. And I hired a couple of comedians and we did a lunchtime comedy show. And I did that for like a year and a half. And then I moved um, it to the club that I'm currently at. And I also started a daytime mic again so that I could practice my material um, during the day. And that mic lasted for like my entire career. Um, it was a feedback mic and a lot of comedians came through it. It was just a really fun nurturing environment. And it's now that Mike has now uh, morphed into my school. Um, so it all sort of just like tumbled onto each other. So I brought the I brought the um, lunches to the club and then I was producing a lot of really great shows there and working with a lot of young talent. So they hired me to be their new talent director. And I did that for a while. And then um, they asked me to be the booker of the club. And then I started managing and running the club in addition to booking it. Um, and it just was all sort of a very, you know, organic way, a thing that happened. It wasn't really my intentions. It just sort of kind of rolled along that way. But, um, and it's been good because it's given me a, a local great place for me to perform. And I work with a lot of comedians that I, I like, I like discovering and nurturing talent. And so I get an opportunity to do that. And I officially started a comedy school um, called FUNY Funny Stand Up, Funny University in New York. And it's a, it's a, a, a three multi-tiered program with a curriculum where comedians can move up the ladder and graduate into eventually becoming uh, passed at the club, hopefully. Very cool. Does that answer all your that, that was a, that was a big question. <laughs> That's like my psychologist a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I could uh, go on. <laughs> you said something, and now I mean it was a little further back. I was trying to latch on to it, but also focusing on what you were saying. Um, ah, yes. So the school is the normal protocol for comedians. I thought y'all were just funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it was like you either are or you aren't. I didn't know that there is a whole like education process to it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of the big controversy is people say you can't teach comedy. And, you know, you have to be innately funny. You can't teach someone to have funny thoughts, but you can teach someone how to write better jokes and how you know there's a lot there's a lot involved in comedy everyone thinks it's just someone getting on stage and you know performing i remember reading uh, steve morton's autobiography and he said after every show people would walk up to him and say how much of that was improvised and they all want to hear like 98 percent because they want to think it was like you know spur of the moment but the fact of the matter is like probably two percent was improvised and 98 percent was well planned out, thought out, practiced, rehearsed, uh, worked multiple times. And that's that's why comedians need so much stage time. They need to get on stage in front of multiple different audiences and try their jokes and perfect them and get them to the point where they're perfect. They, they are not, um, you know, some people are born funny, but 
a lot of people have to work it and you can definitely teach people and you need stage time. You know, you don't just, no one just like says, okay, here, you've never been on stage. Okay. Get on stage. You know, there's like a pro, you know, it's a protocol. Yeah. yeah. You have a, a special coming out on, on, uh, on YouTube. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Next week, unless it gets picked up by someone between now and next week. (laughs) Hey, you know, have you pitched it? Yeah, I have a couple. I have actually have a call later today. So we'll see. It's my last ditch effort. So, but not, you know, most comedians are putting their specials out on YouTube. It's been a trend for a while now. Um, And yeah, so I'm excited about it. It's been a culmination of years of work where I wanted to put all my material together. It was a combination of you know, I think you get to a point where you have a lot of material and it weaved together nicely into a story and you want to sort of, you know, put it out there and put it to bed and then you could sort of move on from there. I was kind of like sick of doing a lot of these jokes and I wanted to just get them on an album. So it's been like years and years of working on it and um, was super excited to get an hour. It's it's about a little less than an hour and uh put it out there and i'm really excited about it i'm really very i was it it was i'm a very goal oriented person when i set a goal for myself i accomplish it and i picked the date that i was going to do it and i worked my butt off for three months every day just doing it redoing it working with people helping me to hone it and get it to where it was and i still feel like i could have been better but Everyone says you could always, you always feel that way. Mm-hmm. And it went really well. And I'm really excited to launch it. Well, yeah, well, and I hope someone out. watches it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 at least you got me. I'm going to watch it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, I love, I love stand-up comedy. It's, you know, my wife isn't into it as much as I am. So, um, you, you know, when we're watching stuff together, we'll have to watch other things or whatever. But if it were up to me, I'd probably be watching stand-up all day, you know. Um, but then when I try to, like, hey, let's watch this, she's like, yeah. She, she's not into it as much as I am. Um, but I, I love stand-up, so I'm always, you know. And a lot of these stand-up comics, I never even heard of them before. And they're actually hilarious. Yeah. You know, they're pretty entertaining. That Now you're starting to get new names just like everyone is just getting a special on Netflix or or Max or a Prime, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, we talk about that. There's so many more comedians than there were, you know, the dime of like Jerry Seinfeld and those people. It was, it's a whole different world. Um, they used to just like hang out at a club and be able to get spots. Now there's like thousands of comedians in New York and over the, you know, all over the United States, it's become very popular, um, more so than it has in the past, which has made it more competitive, but it's also given a lot more opportunity because there's a lot more out there. And there's also, you have like, if, if you don't get picked up, you can always put it on YouTube. You know, you have the option and, and people will watch it. People like it because you're, you know, you're more in control you're developing an audience you're, that is yours, you know, you're collecting the people and you make money and you have, you know, demographics to put behind you. So a lot of people like prefer doing it to 
you know, putting it somewhere else where they complain, like if you're on Netflix, you kind of get buried under a pile of, you know, you're there for the first week, but then you can't have to search to find them. Right, right. And, 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 you know, you're not completely in control or, yeah. you know, whereas on YouTube, you know, I don't know, people might frown on it, but I think it's a great, it's a great avenue to have, you know, yeah. right, so HBO doesn't want me. That's cool. I'll pull it out myself. And then if you still, if you're funny and people find it, they're going to love it. And then yeah. do your own thing, you can become, I think there's a couple of guys who did it that way. Yeah, a lot of guys. people did. Like, you know, I remember Sam Morrell put it, uh, Mark Norman, a lot of people put it up on YouTube. And then it becomes Andrew Schultz put them up on YouTube and they become very popular. And then people notice it. And then Netflix is calling you saying, hey, can you take it down and put it up on Netflix and I'll give you another one. So, but I don't really have a following on YouTube. So it's a little um, daunting. You know, I know a lot of people that have done it. And when they put the special up, it creates your YouTube channel. So it's work. It's another, it's like just what I need, another social media platform to have to worry about. <laughs> well, that's the long form place where you could put the stuff and, you know, um, if it picks up, it's great. Cause you could really, you know, that could be the thing that blows it up, you know? Yeah. You know, this stuff is tricky. I don't know the formula. I've been trying to, I've been trying to blow up my channels for a long time and I, I haven't found the formula. There was a period where I was doing really well. And then I messed up and started talking about politics. Yeah, <laughs> that will I kill you. I should not have done that, right? <laughs> I should not cover politics because my following went down by like two thirds. Yeah, I had a little. Nope. Yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way too. No politics. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm out of that topic. I'm, I'm, I don't even... Get involved with controversial stuff. This, <laughs> this, the boy needs to stay employable. That's kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, well, it's kind of my thing there. The whole, yeah, you have you know, to make decisions on what's important to you and, you know, not mix business and politics. And it's hard when you're a personality because you, it's all your business is you and you have personal opinions. So it's hard to keep quiet when you feel strongly about something yeah yeah for sure if there's an injustice or you know mm -hmm. and you can't talk about it you know that sucks you know mm -hmm. i mean but because of that like i had like brands like toyota um that they were like yo we can't work with that guy anymore you know um they used to put stuff on my blog and you know, like um, ads and uh, press releases, and they'll pay you to do that stuff and cover events. But if you get involved with this controversial stuff, political, um, regardless which side you, or even if you're neutral and you're just speaking from an objective standpoint, somebody will always perceive it a certain way and, and things go, things go bad. And, you know, today, uh, we're able to say some things and well, in five years, those things may be considered uh, offensive or toxic. And then, you know, it could get brought up. I was teaching my Zumba class one time and this girl touched me, right? Like she kind of ran her finger down my chest and and I was like this. I put my <laughs> hands up like this. I pointed at the camera, you know, and I went like this. And then after the song finished, I said, she touched me. <laughs> I was saying it to the camera. To be clear, 
Everybody in here witnesses. <laughs> he touched me. I did nothing. Yo, you, know? you let her on though. Ah, with this rugged good yeah, looks. Yeah, with those moves, those <laughs> moves, Angel. You're like, oh. yeah, how could how could they resist? <laughs> if you saw my choreo, you would know how true that is. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm very tempted to do Zumba with you. My, that was my first love dance. I wanted to be a Broadway dancer growing up. So that why, was, why'd uh, you stop? My first, like, my first love. You know, I had parents that were, uh, you know, didn't come from money and they weren't educated. So all they wanted was their kids to get an education and get a job and make money. And so uh, they weren't really inclined to um, support our dreams to be creatives. It wasn't, you know, their their thinking. Um, so none of us did. And we were, that's probably why we were all miserable. And so now I raise my kids to be creative and they're going to have creative fields and they're going to be poor and they're going to be really mad at me for not pushing them to be professionals. So well, you have three, can't right? win. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you have three children. I do. I have three kids. You just need one of them to do well. Then that <laughs> one can support the other two artists. And yeah, that, that could be the well, they know. have to support me too. Well, of course, all the artists, yeah, all the <laughs> artists. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll wait to see which one's going to be successful. <laughs> oh, gosh, that that is yeah. that is a, actually a tricky thing because my son's an artist as well, right? And just this past weekend, it was his birthday, and his grandpa was like, Hey, so are you going to continue doing this type of menial work? Because he works at Trader Joe's, right? Mm -hmm. And his grandpa doesn't see that as a proper, you know, like a respectable one. My son got up and walked away, you know. And then I started talking to him. And I said, hey, he's got to find his own way. You know, he's happy where he's working. He can pay his rent. He's responsible. My son's not a loser, you know. Um, he's not a loser. He's, he's he's gotta find his way. He's like, no, it's your job to push him and push him and push him. It's in line with what you're saying. You grow yeah. up miserable. I was never like that with my kid. I did yeah. the same thing. I I You did the opposite of what your father did. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, not my dad was addicted to heroin, right? He didn't really <laughs> for a long time, he eventually cleaned up, but I don't think my pops pushed me to anything. And in terms of me doing well in school and all that, it was more because I wanted to make my mom proud. You know, she obviously she was like, uh, obviously wanted to go to go to school and everything. But I just always wanted to make her proud, mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I didn't, you know, go too far astray. <laughs> you know, it was for my mom. My pops really didn't factor into that. But his grandpa raised his sister, you know, well, his mom, you know, his mom, his grandpa raised his mom and uh, his his uncle and stuff. And they were raised pretty strict, you know, in a pretty strict way. I'm going to say it was a pleasure talking with you. It was nice talking to you. I know you have to jump. So I want to give you the 10 minutes to not have to like, you know, rush and hustle. Thank you. It was great meeting you. Likewise. Let me know when your next Zumba class is. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> do you do it on Zoom or do you Zoom Zumba or live Zumba? <laughs> no, I do live. 
I, I, they're both in Queens. I teach in uh 24 hour fitness Oh, in, okay. uh, in Queens over here uh, on Saturdays. And then on uh, actually Saturday and Monday. And then on Wednesdays, I teach at retro fitness on Wednesdays. Yeah. In So Queens. I teach three. Yeah. They're all in Queens. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love Whereabouts, it. whereabouts are you? You in the city? I'm in I'm in the city, Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. I used to Right teach near. out there too. Yeah. But they closed all the gyms, all the 24-hour fitness in the Manhattan got closed down. You know, I used to go out there like to sub other instructors for fun. Try a different group. Like, you know, you're trying different audiences. I do the same, you know. I did well everywhere except the Bronx. The Bronx didn't like, you know, they and which is where I'm from, which is ironic, but the Bronx rejected me. <laughs> Oh. they they really weren't feeling my my Yeah, well, I love music and exercise. It's my creative outlet. Like I get a lot of my best ideas. I used to run a lot and that's when I got all my good ideas when I was running and listening to music and hurt my back. And so now I don't really have that anymore. So it's kind of a bummer. But uh, so I'm trying to find out how to get those creative juices rolling in a different way. So. Tell everybody how to find you on what social media. So um, me, I'm on Instagram, Felicia Madison Comedian, and on YouTube now. <laughs> and I have a website, FeliciaMadison.com, but I don't really keep it up to date as much as I should. There's just too much stuff. I used to be on Facebook and Twitter, and I just, ugh, just, I, you know, if I spent all my time, like, on that, I wouldn't have time to do anything else. So I've sort of, like, really just doing Instagram and, uh, And now YouTube. Yeah, I guess So. those are the best. Although, I well, I saw your Twitter was shut down. It looks like it's gone. Yeah, I went, I shut I did it down. click on it. To, Yeah, it... I got like, in, I got involved in this like uh, controversy and I decided just to shut it down. <laughs> mm. that, that could happen. You know, I just look like, at TikTok. I TikTok's another one that... I'm on TikTok also. I put some up on TikTok. It's kind of like you're saying. I'm just, you know, I'm waiting to go viral. The only time I go viral is when I get a cold. <laughs> which <laughs> is me right now. Like, yeah, me too. yeah, I hope I'm not <laughs> sound, sounding too nasally, but yeah. yeah. There's something I just had like this horrible, like I'm just at the end of like a really horrible cough. So, um, but yeah, luckily it doesn't, travel through the internet Well, we'd because be doing each other. I'm not contagious I'm not zoom tagious <laughs> I have, anyway I have it some, was nice meeting you yeah, likewise. All right. Well, feel better we'll be we'll be in touch. You too. Be well. okay take Bye, care Julia. Take bye care, y'all. bye Julia You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. www.nyctalking.com Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Please follow Angel R. Talk on Twitter and Instagram. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. Thanks for listening.